Right around the beginning of the pandemic situation, Dr. Fauci and um, the other doctor that was featured so much right at the early outset, she came on with him, and they were talking to the nation. Nobody knew what was going to happen for sure, so they were trying to give some sort of a forecast of what we should expect. They said early on that the COVID situation was serious, and then they said, this is going to be something that's going to affect a lot of people. And then they said, it will be something that will affect people to the extent that you will hear of people dying. Then they said, you may know of some people that are dying. And continued on and then finally said, you'll probably know someone that dies from COVID. And right about that time, uh, we were in the process of figuring out what, what was going to happen as far as our church was concerned and what we were going to be doing. And I remember it was a Sunday when there was a little bit lighter attendance and I was out in the lobby and I was standing on this side. And I stood there and I started looking around and as I looked around the room, I thought, who among us, myself included, might that include if that really happens as the way they're saying it? I remember looking at a number of people and it was just almost like I was taking a still film getting a picture here, a picture there, picture there, picture over. I remember looking at the tables out there and standing over facing toward the blue wall but against the other wall over there by the windows was Brian Eunanks. Brian and his wife and daughters, four of them, have attended the church for a number of years. They're friends of mine. But they were some people I looked at. I saw him standing there and, and, I, and I remember seeing him specifically and I was just sending up prayers as I was looking around the room, Father, help us. Father, help us. Because I didn't know what was real and what was not in this whole situation. You didn't either. We started hearing about people that passed away. Oh, there are people that passed away. Then we started hearing of people that got it. And, and Brian got it. Brian had helped this church out in so many ways. Channel 13, you've seen him on the news. You've seen his smile. Maybe you've seen him help out with Wolfpack because he would search for people that were lost. He was just a great guy all around. Great guy. Yeah. Cared for his family. Just great. But he got it. And in the hospital, we weren't able to get into the hospital. We were quarantined down pretty hard at the time. So we weren't able to do what we normally would do with somebody in the hospital with a situation like that. And he ended up passing away. Now, through my life, there have been a lot of things that have happened, so I don't always get so alarmed and unsettled when something happens because I've learned that you've got to just know that there are going to be some things you're just not going to have an answer to. But I will say to you that I did ask God a question or two about it because I disagreed with the decision that eternity would reveal. And I was like, God, really? 50 years old, would have had a birthday this weekend. Really? I was at home with COVID myself. I didn't have a serious, serious, deep, dark valley with it. But I was sick. I had two or three doctors that were helping me walk through that journey. It was unsettling because to tell you the truth, 
we had had a number of people that had passed away, and so I was getting a little bit worried about what this could do. I'd had respiratory issues at different points over the past few years, and so I did respect it. I guarantee you I respected it. And um, I remember being asked to participate in the funeral to help out with a message. I had COVID, and... uh, my son Andrew was coming home. He's a pastor in the South, and he was coming home, and he and Brian have been good friends. Brian had really supported my son Andrew. I, I just will say that. He really had supported him in a time when Andrew needed a friend, and he stepped in and was that. Great guy. And so Andrew was coming home, and I let him know, and he literally was crying on the other end of the phone because he said, no, no, I don't want this. I don't like this. And so we were dealing with that, all those feelings, and Andrew came home, I said, I said this to him, I said, Drew, if I have energy and I feel up to it, I'm going to go up to the church, and I'm going to record with nobody in the room a short 15-minute message, if I, can, if I can do it. I prayed, I said, God, it's up to you now. That morning I woke up with more energy than I'd had, because if you've had COVID, you know it wipes you out. You just, you're a couch potato, you know, you just, you're a zombie out. And I woke up with energy that morning. I showered, shaved, put on, probably put this on, put on something like it. <laughs> I wear the same one every week. And, <laughs> hey, I want to be like the Dutch. Save some money. What you talking about? <laughs> I got to fit in. <laughs> you all told me if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much, so whatever. <laughs> I grew up in Missouri. What can I say? <laughs> anyway, so I came up here, and there were just two of us beside me. There was just my son and the tech guy, and I came in here, I stood on this platform, and for the next almost 15 minutes, I delivered a message of hope for that family. Went back home, felt absolutely like crud the rest of the next couple days while I was going through that. Pastor Dwight, Andrew, conducted the service, and others helped out. We walk away from moments like that, and... Though I've been through many moments, not that dissimilar, where I've had questions and I said, God, really? Really? And I'm standing up here pretty much by myself right now. But I have a feeling if I ask you, if you ever had a question you just kind of wondered about, some of you just get over things really quickly and you don't, you don't ask them very long. But then others of you, you have questions and you wonder. And it's harder for you to travel through those questions, isn't it? I look back here right now and I see Ricky and Ann connect. They went over to the Franklin Graham crusade and we heard that some people got dedicated their life to Christ at that, got saved at that. They were there too. They left on the way home. A drunk driver hit them from behind about 80 miles an hour. And for them to even be here, and walked away. Ricky could not. It wasn't meant. He ended up having a break in the back. First time back. We are glad to see you today. We love you. I'll be honest with you. When I first got the call, I said, God, I love them. They pray for me. I pray for them, not them. And then I thank God that you were not killed in that wreck. And I thank God you were still alive. And I praise him for that. Marcus Lamb of Daystar. Daystar TV. Pam and I still have satellites. So 
we, we would watch different programs, and one that I would watch from time to time is Daystar TV. He is a real friend to Israel, real great guy, but he got COVID, and though he was a golfer, he had some underlying issues that hit him, and he ended up passing away. Between services, I met with some people that came up to me, and they said to me, they said, Pastor, We've learned all kinds of stories about our family's past, and it was really unsettling. It was really rocking us. And I listened, and then we prayed. So I know that though this is heavy, and you may ask the question, why would you put this in for strategies for winning? Why aren't you talking about this, or why aren't you talking about that? I've camped out at this unlikely subject because it is heavy, and I'm at a point in my career where I can take on questions like this, but I can tell you I'm at a point in my life I still can't answer them well. But what I want to do, as I said to Pastor Dwight earlier this week as I was working on the final part of this message, I said, we're going to just kind of take a drive by a question on Sunday, and we're just going to kind of look at it and see whether there's something in it for us. So today I want you to take that drive by as we look at that question today, because I believe God wants to help us and to speak to us today. This passage is for real. We're in good company when we would ask this kind of question. In Psalm 22, if you read your Bible in the Psalms and you go to chapter 22, you begin to read that David is sending up one of his songs that he has written, and in that he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then you come into our passage today in Mark's gospel, chapter 15 and verse 34, and as you come into this passage and look through these, you see Jesus is echoing that same thing. I call it echoing. That means saying the same as it was before. He's saying the same thing in the Newer Testament, but he is saying it from the cross, He says, my God, that indicates that there's been relationship, personal connection. My God, my God, he is saying, we we partnered together. We're doing this on purpose. We're on a mission. My God, he says. And then he says, why? I had someone one time say, you shouldn't ask that. And I said, well, I don't agree with you. (laughs) I respect you, but I don't agree with you one bit. And they were a person I honored and respected a lot. I didn't respect that decision of theirs. Jesus asked why, and he says, why have, active tense, have you forsaken me? Where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Now, we know he was carrying the sin of the world. He's on the cross on a mission to bring about atonement and justification and the opportunity for forgiveness of sin. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. That's right now primary, that whoever believes in him, why? Because he is God, he dies on the cross, should not perish but have everlasting life because he rose from the dead. He is God, he proves he has power over life and death. Can he get a witness in the house somewhere? So he proves that he has this kind of power. So he says, why have you, making it personal, have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Now he doesn't put an exclamation at the end of that, and let me tell you something else he doesn't do. He doesn't perform a miracle. Didn't call angels. Didn't part the waters, didn't give him warm bread. He doesn't do that. Nope. Why have you forsaken me? There's a question mark. There's not an exclamation, exclamation at the end of that. And so you and I have our tough questions. So let's look at three observations quickly. And I want you to listen fast. If you can listen fast today, say yes. yes. Here we went. There will be some very difficult questions in this life. Many of us ask our questions of God. And we bring our question to Him. King David in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, is writing a song, and as he writes that in chapter 142 of Psalm, 
as he's writing that, we see that he's asking the question, why have you forsaken? Where are you now? Different than what he said in Psalm 22, but still the same basic essence of question. God, where are you? He has no pastor, he has no counselor, and he has no family member that can unlock the riddle to the question that he's facing in his life. Doesn't mean it's not a valid question, and it doesn't mean he's wrong in asking it. Sometimes we'll ask a question, we just won't get the answer we want. I read about a fellow whose name is Danny. Danny had just graduated out of seminary. And upon his graduation, he and his wife and their small child moved to their first preaching assignment. Their first assignment was New Year's Eve service. Now, one of his professors, along with the professor's wife, had also attended that service and were spending the night at Danny and his wife and their baby's house. They had just finished the New Year's Eve service. They came back to the parsonage. The professor's wife went to bed. Danny's wife went to bed. The baby goes to bed. Danny and the professor are now staying up talking, and they're talking about the possibilities of this church. It could really be a good church. It could be cool. They're hopeful. And then they hear something that they haven't heard, some noise coming out of the bedroom where Danny and his wife stay. He went into the room. His wife was having trouble gasping for air. They didn't know what was wrong. And in just a few moments, she passed away. Now, here he is, an excited man, just finished seminary. Probably hadn't even paid off all his loans. He's just finished seminary. He has a little baby. He and his wife are young and excited, and they're ready to start out in their first assignment. And all of a sudden, this happens. We ask the questions. But I think... An older, wiser minister put it this way, someday in the glories of eternal heaven, God will tenderly gather this young couple and their child, and he'll bring their loved ones around, and in a loving and with logical terms, he'll fully explain to them all the purposes in what was, humanly speaking, a deep tragedy. He'll do that, and I believe that'll happen in the future. Someday. Jesus asked this question from the cross. He had never been to this place. Maybe you've never been to the place where you're sitting there across the table and you get the diagnosis and the diagnosis comes to something you don't want. Maybe you haven't been there before. Whenever all you get left on the table is a note and they have walked out and gone their own way. Maybe you have never been there before. Whenever you've had something happen in your life at your workplace, you've never been there to see those kind of things happen. I have been there to see some things happen. You, most of you, have been there, and you felt the, the vibe of this, and you know what I'm talking about today. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane is lifting up a prayer to God, and he's saying, help, Father. The Father was with him at the trial, at the beating, and now we get him on the cross, nails in his hand, nails in his feet, and he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? Back in the earlier moments in John 17, he has, said, he has said, the Father and I are one in his high priestly prayer. But now he's saying, why have you forsaken me? Now, I don't go to Dolly Parton for theology, but she is a Christian. She has a song. It's not a hymn, but it's interesting. Everybody wants happiness. Nobody wants pain. But you can't have a rainbow without a little rain. We absolutely know the purpose of Christ on the cross. He wasn't asking about his purpose. He was saying, why in this moment are you forgiving me, uh, forsaking me? And then look at that second question. Second thing we'll look at. Sometimes we ask why. 
You ever ask why? We ask a question like this. God, why didn't you create a perfect world? Why is there evil in the world? And the answer is, he did create a perfect world where there was no evil in the world. He did that in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And he said to them, you guys, I'm going to be meeting with you. He met with them to cool today. He said, I'm going to be meeting with you. And he said, I want you to tend to the garden here. And I want you to do all kinds of things. And so they were able to do it. He said, one thing I don't want you to do, just one, I don't want you to eat from that tree over there. That tree over there is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that. You see, something incredible is happening from God. God has given to every one of us a thing called free will. Every one of us has a choice. Those of you working a job tomorrow, you have the free will of getting up and going to do your job, or you can skip out. It is your free will. I recommend going to work. It is free will to stay with your companion. Kurt and Dee celebrated 39 years this weekend. Congratulations to you guys. It is your option. And you and I have all kinds of things in our free will that we can do. When you leave here today, you can go over to McDonald's and you can have lunch. <laughs> you can. They serve food there. And you could go to a diner. You could go pick some diner somewhere. You could go to a steakhouse somewhere and get you something that is really good. And you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm talking about. And you could get you, you go to Texas Roadhouse and get one of those biscuits we talk about from time to time and you put some of that cinnamon butter on it. Can I get a witness in the house? Oh, hallelujah. Angels are singing and those guys over about to run the aisles. They're getting so excited up in here. Oh, my, you have free will. You know why he gave you free will? You know why. It's because he loves you. You know, if he doesn't extend his love to allow us to have free will, then he makes us robots. And he didn't want to populate heaven with robots. You get a choice to love him or to reject him. Adam and Eve in the garden stuck their finger in his eye and said, we want to do it our way. We don't need you. And they started doing it their way. They said they didn't need him. It was when evil began to enter into the world. But it's God's love that allows us to have a free will. And with that will, we can go evil. And with that will, we can be kind. As a matter of fact, with that will... We have a difference, or the opportunity to make a difference in the world in which we live. And this began to change their world immediately. How Seed says it this way, when Adam and Eve chose evil, they were telling God, we want space. And God honored their choice, but nature is cursed. Genetic breakdown and disease begins. Pain and death start happening around. New smells they'd never smelled before start to happen. And there are two types of evil I'm going to highlight just for a moment. One is natural evil. Natural evil is when tornadoes touch down, or when earthquakes rock a place, or when floods create disasters. Natural evil is whenever the hurricane rips through Florida like it did with some of our friends and wipes out their home, and some of our friends even now are rebuilding even this week as we speak. These are called natural calamities. But let me tell you something else. There's moral evil. Moral evil is where somebody does something to someone else or to a group of people, and it creates some kind of chaos and darkness. It's something like someone stabbing someone or someone shooting someone or somebody bypassing somebody when they have a chance to open their heart and their arms to them. It is all this kind of stuff. 
It is in our world today, and someone has said 95% of the evil that is in our society would be brought about by cause of moral evil. Jerry Falwell Sr. says it this way. I think he captured it pretty well. He said, every tear and tragedy, from cancer to the common cold, from broken bones to broken hearts, can be directly traced back to the terrible moment in the Garden of Eden. It is simply impossible to overstate the devastating results and the untold sorrow sin has produced. And then I look at that third thought. You listen kindly, but look at it real quickly. We will have questions that will go unanswered. You and I are never going to understand some things that happen. Marcus Lamb passing did not really make sense except for what I just explained. Brian passing didn't make sense except for what I just explained. Jesus has this question on the cross, why have you forsaken me? We know that he's on the cross to pay the penalty for death. Look at this scripture that comes up here out of 2 Corinthians. On this slide it says this. He is talking about Jesus, talking about God, who knew no sin. You may have somebody say to you, well, Jesus was a sinner, we're all sinners. Well, we all were born in sin, that's, that's fact. But he is no sinner. The scripture tells us over and over again. He did no sin. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah it said, God placed on him the iniquity, the sin, iniquity means sin, the sin of us all. That's what happened. He who knew no sin became sin for us, for every one of us, that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. That's how we would become forgiven of our sin when we come to Christ and say, I want you to forgive me of my sin, my sin that I have in my life. I want you to forgive me for all of them. And he forgives us from all of them. I saw a guy give a testimony the other day. His testimony was about an out-of-body experience he had, and he was in the presence of Christ, and he said, I saw my life come before me as if a movie on still shots, and he said, I look at each one of those, and some of them were embarrassing to me. I didn't want to see them, but Christ, he said, I had trusted Christ, but those were things I had done early in my life, and I'm very embarrassed and ashamed of them. And he said, Christ looked at me, and he said, no, my grace has covered that. My grace has covered that. Don't worry about that. My grace covered that. My grace covered that. My grace covered that. That's what he's talking about, that verse we just looked at over there. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Can I get a witness in this house this morning? Now, I feel like I need to stop just for a second. You're listening kindly, and we're going long. But let me just say this. Some of you have committed a sin since you first trusted in Christ. Well, let me use a homemade illustration. Did the Phillies just win the World Series? No. Are we sad? Yes. Okay. Will the Phillies go to spring training this spring? Why do they go to spring training? Because that season is over. I am moving on to a new season. And some of you are going to have to let go of yesterday. And you're going to have to embrace tomorrow. And you've got a new season in your life. In some area of your life that I don't know, but you do. And whatever it is, you're going to have to let God bring it to you. He delivered it to your address. And he has put your name on it. And this is yours. And it's your season to rise up in the faith and say, God, yesterday's that but tomorrow's yet, so here we are today to create that new tomorrow. So get on with it. We don't want somebody giving us logic answers. We don't want somebody giving us feeling answers. Lou Holt said, he said, I was passing through this town one time, and a cop in that town of a rival team stopped me, and I had done nothing wrong, and he gave me a ticket just because he hated my team. 
Hey, you're going to have some stupid stuff that's going to happen to you, but you can still go forward in the name of Jesus and you don't have to stop. Joseph Shriven. Do you know who he is? You know Joe? I never met him. He lived before us. I was going to say, if somebody lifts their hand up and knows him, I, I don't know how that is. <laughs> this dude is dead. But our pastors do a lot of funerals. We'll be doing one this week. Maybe more, but one we know of. And as this happens a lot of times, not always, but a lot of people from our older part of our congregation will ask us to sing a song and include a song that Joe wrote. He suffered from depression, but he had found some hope. And some of you may suffer from some depression. I don't know. I don't know your life. You ready for the song? If you are, say yes. yes. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Another verse. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. He had learned the secret. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, bring it up. Hebrews 13, 5. It should be highlighted there for you. But look what it says. It breaks into the verse. It echoes from the Old Testament into the New Testament. In other words, he says it to you once, but he says, I'm going to say it to you again so you catch it. He says, the Lord, that's speaking about our God, has promised. Who's he promised? He's promised us that he will never leave us or desert us. So Job was going through all kinds of hell in his life, and as he goes through all of this death and all of this loss of business and loss of property and loss of everything, he says, I don't see him ahead, I don't see him behind, I don't see him on my side, above, below, I don't know where God is, but he knows the way I take. And when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. Just because you don't get an answer doesn't mean there isn't an answer. And just because you don't understand doesn't mean there isn't understanding. There is a God in heaven who is above all things, who has created us. And in the end, the scripture says, and God himself will wipe away all tears from their eyes. Who's there? The believers. He said he will wipe away all tears for, from our eyes, and there will be, listen, no more crying. Why? For the former things have passed away. And one of these days, we're going to cut out of here like a shooting star in reverse, right into the presence of the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hey, we have hope today that even if we don't understand everything going on, we keep our little hand in his big hand and say, Lord, guide me in the way that you want me to go. Big Daddy Weave concert just happened here. Mike Weaver and Anna Carr, they sang a song. It's a picture of them from our church the other night. They said, so if the storm you're walking through in this new song they broke out, if this song, uh, storm you're going through feels like too much and you wonder if he even cares at all, hold on tight to what you know. He has promised he won't let you go. Your song of healing is written in his scars. Then they come to the chorus and it goes like this. God is in this story. God is in the details. Even in the broken parts, he holds my heart. He never fails. When I'm at my weakest, I will trust in Jesus. Always in the highs and lows. The one who goes before me 
God is in this story. And you know what I know? He's in your story today. And you may not understand what's going on in the chapter you're reading of your life right now, but God knows. And He knows how to make a way through your wilderness, and He can do it through the pain and through the questions, through the trial and the torment. And on the other side, you will come forth as gold. And Jesus stayed on the cross, and He rose from the dead, and right now He's making intercession for us, and one day He's going to see us face to face. And you know what we're going to do? Anybody know? Scripture said you're going to do this. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess to the glory of the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. Where will we go with why? What will you do with why? How will you handle why? You let those serving guys poke around on that question, why? How about we give it to God right now in prayer? We're just not going to sing a closing song today. We're just going to quit right now. But let's close with prayer. I invite you to put a hand out or your hands out in this that you're ready to receive. You're ready to receive hope. You're ready to receive His love. You're ready to receive forgiveness. You're ready to receive strength. You're ready to receive purpose. You're ready to receive whatever He has. Father, right now, we as your children are ready to receive. On our own, we're weak. In our strength, we would fail. Our minds only take us so far. Our experiences are hard sometimes to understand. But we give ourselves to you anew today. Hear the prayer of every heart. Hear the hope of every soul. Please bring forgiveness where it must be. Please bring healing where it must be. Please bring life where it should be. Hope, joy, love, mercy, grace, healing. For we lay ourselves at your feet in Jesus' name. Amen.